butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly. When I see you flap your wings, I know when it's time for spring. Butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly. Welcome back to Honest Participants Only. As you can hear my godchild singing us in there, I hope you like it. You're going to be hearing a lot more of it as we record more podcasts for Honest Participants Only. The conversation where we're honest, we're relatable, we're funny, um, and we're quite, we're just great, right? Um, I have just heard a new phrase, and it's hashtag BOU, and it stands for Best of Us. So um, I am hashtag boo you are hashtag boo um feel free to make that a thing because when you see when you go to my social media at shakespeare anywhere you will start seeing hashtag bou and that stands for best of us on today's episode i have naomi in powers um as you can see she's there waving at everybody uh for our creating black history series, which is really, really important to me, and I'll explain it in just a moment. Naomi is a corporate trainer, management consultant, and international speaker. Hey, Nay. Hi. (laughs) How are you? Uh, What's popping? Gosh, I am recovering, so my voice is probably, sounds about two octaves lower than it usually does, Um, but apart from that, I'm great. Listen, can, can you not hear the bass? And when I edit this, when I edit, it's going to have even more bass. Girl, it is, and you know, it's perfect for Black History Month. It is a lot. Black people just have the deepest voices. Unless you be like ratchet, then your voice is high as anything. But I love our deepness. I love it. I love it. It works. It's working. It's working. (laughs) So as I mentioned just a minute ago today, we're going to be talking about creating Black History Now, I want to kind of prelude this by saying, uh, I know it's towards the end of Black History Month. Don't worry about yourself, everybody. Um, This theme is relevant anytime, all the time, every day, every year, whatever. And instead of us talking about things that have gone before, what I wanted to do is have conversations that uh, future generations can kind of look back on and go, oh, that was the history that was created for me. So I wanted to do a little bit of a spin on it because... Ah, oh, I don't know if I should say this. Say it. Say I'm bored. It. I'm bored of Black History Month. Okay. Oh, I'm bored of having specific times where I can talk about my blackness in a different way mm. where mm. I don't have to be as careful. Um, and I'm a careful person, right? I'm not a person who's mm. going to be speaking, like, you know, just being willy nilly yeah, yeah. out here. But I have come to the stage where I want to have these conversations anyway. And I don't want there to be a marker in the calendar that tells me when I can have them. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about creating black history. Um, and you have two children. One day, maybe more. <laughs> and, <laughs> one day, maybe more. And the thing is, you, everything you do every single day is creating a history for them. Whether it's black mm-hmm. or otherwise, you yeah. are creating a legacy. And that legacy is history. Um, so I brought you on today to discuss what our success looks like. Okay. Um, exactly. That's exactly the response because what does that even mean? There are a couple of things that we're going to discuss, but first I want the people to know how we're connected. So let me share this. Acting like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) 
So this time last year, well, no, a year and a half ago nearly. Good and that's okay. true. Facts. This is not just this is not just talk. Shay's been consistent over the years. If there's one person I could say who has just been that consistent support, that's consistent cheerleader, Shay's definitely you. Yeah, I, I mean, I I know how valuable that is. Mm. And so if I believe in someone, I'm gonna make it, you know, no. By the now, let us stop sharing that screen because I paused it on a really ugly part. <laughs> so <laughs> really important to me. <laughs> But the reason I wanted to play that clip is, number one, that was such a, a, a turning point for me. There was something wow. in that interview, um, you know, we spoke about, <laughs> we spoke about the fact in the green room that I was not ready. I, <laughs> I, I literally was like, but my hair, but, and I do this every time, right? We yeah. all have our hangups and we all have the things that make us go, what the heck? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, you asking me to be on something where I was like, oh my gosh, she's asking all these amazing people. And then she asked me. I was like, Shay, stop your drama. Yes. Why, why are you doing this? And I had such an amazing time speaking about oh. the things that make me me and speaking about it with you. But that particular clip I wanted to play because you were like, yeah, and Shay's a cheerleader and Shay and blah, 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 blah. And I didn't get a chance in that moment because I was clearly cleaning something out of my eyes. Um, <laughs> I didn't get a chance in that moment to say, you are that for me too. Um, and I know you're one of those people that I can always tap into and be like, I've got this idea or, um, you know, I do you want to come on my podcast? And, you know, <laughs> all of these things that really, really matter to me, which to yeah. other people might be really, you know, small things. Mm -hmm. But you are constant and consistent too. And that's huge, right? So I'll continue to be your cheerleader. And I know you will continue Thanks. to be mine. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> I'm not putting this on camera so that in three years I can play it back to you and be like, you said... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, but maybe, but maybe I don't know. But yeah, this um that was really, really empower empowering and powerful. And the whole series, so guys, please go check it out. It's still live. No, it's not live. Yeah, it's still up. It's out there. It's out there, thank you. There. So <laughs> Facebook and also on YouTube. What's your YouTube handle? Gosh, it's been a while since I've talked about that one. Um, so I think it's just Naomi Empowers. I think I think the best thing that anyone can do is literally just go onto YouTube and search Naomi Empowers. Yeah. And that's probably the best way to be able to find um, yeah. that channel. It's been a while, Shay. So I actually don't remember. Embarrassing. I think it is. So when I search for this, I think that's what I searched. But also, okay. if you search the same on Facebook, you will come up with this series as well. And and I, this is not me trying to get you guys to watch the show twice, um, but different people engaged on different platforms. So what you end, yeah. up, you end up with is a really rich conversation around all of our conversations. Mm, so definitely don't watch them on both platforms, everybody, Facebook and YouTube. Anyway, creating black history. So first question, I'm just going to dump you in the deep end. I'm a bit scared, Shay. I'm a bit scared. I can't even lie. Really? <laughs> I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. But go on, let's do it. Let's do it. Never. Um, what do you think that means? What, what does it really... I know I've kind of explained what it means for me and what my intent is, but if somebody had just said that phrase to you, what would it mean? Creating black history. What does it mean? I think to me it means that each and every one of us, every person of African or Caribbean descent has, 
has a role to play, I guess, in how our story is told. You see, I think for too long, we've inadvertently left our PR to other people who didn't have a vested interest in our success or who didn't care enough about us to tell our story the way it needed to be told in order to be impactful, in order to uh, be an accurate and uh, a fair reflection of who we are as a people. And so when I think of the concept of creating black history, it makes me think, oh my goodness, I actually have the power to do something that future generations may one day be able to look back on and be proud of. Um, I, I have the opportunity to, to, to birth a vision, to bring something into the world that even if today I don't get the applause for, or I don't get the recognition for, maybe my great, if this wicked world lasts that long, if my great, 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 great grandchildren, who I will obviously never meet, if they have the opportunity to look back and think, wow, there was this crazy lady called Naomi who had the audacity to do X, Y, and Z, who had the cheek to push past the boundaries and the, and the barriers that may have existed to do the things that were terrifying her. And we are in this position today because of that. That is what I guess I think of, the type of thing I think of when we talk about creating black history. It's about legacy building. It's about telling our own stories. It's about ensuring that we're living a life that is actually worthy of being remembered. Yeah, I think that's what really comes to mind when I think of this concept of creating black history. Do you know what, something else? It's a new story. It's not just what we read in the history books. It's not just, um, you know, I think I was quite fortunate in the school that I attended, we didn't limit talking about black history to the month of October. Um, but it was a common, you know, it was the thread that ran through almost everything um, that we did. And so I felt proud to be a black woman, a woman of African and Caribbean descent. I, that was something that pride was instilled in me from an early age. But I don't have to be thinking about the, when I think about creating black history, I'm no longer just limited to those greats in our past. I don't have to only think about Rosa Parks and uh, her refusal to get up off that bus. Um, I don't only have to think about the likes of Martin Luther King Jr. I don't only have to think about these people, but I can think to more recent times. I can think to the Shays of 2021. I can think to people who look like me, who I converse with, who I'm connected with, who are doing incredible things that again today may not be getting the recognition and the applause for, but that in years to come will have left their mark. And I think that's what it is. It's a new story. It's a new day. And I think it's, it's incredible that we have this opportunity, which is why for me, I just, I think everything counts. Everything matters. Every word that is uttered, every creation that is brought to life, every vision that comes forth, it, it, it matters because we are literally creating our own legacy. We are creating our black history and that's exciting. This is why I love you. This, like, I just, let me just sit back because everything, there's, there is no um, simple answer with you. And I don't mean that you complicate or complex, make everything complex. I don't mean that yeah. But I mean, there is so much, it's in, in one question about what this means. There is so much that we can take from it. You leave no stone unturned when it comes to leaving your mark. 
And I love that so much um, because legacy is such an important thing to me as well. And this is what this talks about, right? Um, I call myself a story protector. And some of what you were talking about really resonated with me because for me, storytelling is all well and good. Yeah. But when it comes to um, whether it's people of color, whether it's disability, whether it's gender, whatever it is, story protecting to me means that we're also protecting the integrity of the story mm. that's being told. Yes. And that's a really, really powerful, important part of creating black history, right? Maybe. It means that the story that, the new story that you discussed, that you've mentioned, the new story may make it to those generations ahead yeah. without yeah. being distorted. Yes. And that is so amazing. That is the fact that we have these, we can literally come on this podcast and be like, right, going to put that on YouTube. We're going to put that in this place. And hopefully someone, some way, someday will see it and take from it what they need. Is well, we're immortalizing it, aren't we? Yeah. When we do put it on these platforms, really, we always know that, you know, whatever goes out on the internet is out there forever. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful part of content creation. Um, we are, you, you know, I think by creating this platform, Shay, you're doing exactly what you've set out to do in terms of protecting the integrity of our stories. My words, your words can't be distorted and changed because you get to, you get to hear it live almost, even if you're watching it 10, 20, 10, 20 30 years from now. So I think that's a beautiful and a powerful thing. Side note, I have to, because you, you just triggered the thought in me. Completely nothing to do with this. We will literally spend 15 seconds of it. Did you hear that Donald Trump is creating his own social network? Anyway, moving on. Um, I, and trust me, I'm going to sign up. <laughs> of course, I want to know who is on this network. I want to know who, why, what, how. Yeah. I will be on there. Trust me, I will be on there. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So we're talking about what our success looks like. And there are things nowadays that show us what our success looks like. So mm. I want to share this, um, share my screen again. Okay. We see these things all the time. So these are lists. We've got The Guardian um, talking about the top 10 most powerful Black Britons. Mm. Uh, we've got lists. We've got people like Michaela Cole, obviously, um, Simon Woolley, uh, Daniel Kalu. Why can't I say his name today? Um, so we've got these lists that have people who we really respect and who are amazing at doing what they do. And just beyond, it's beyond us to, you know, I'm, this is not an attempt to bring these people down, I promise you. Mm. But one of the questions I really want to tap into and, and ask and have this discussion with you, because this is part of what our success looks like, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What I want to know is, do these lists even the playing field? And do they help or hinder our progress? And the reason I say that is because, is it another way, and again, I'm posing a question. I promise this isn't a statement tied up as a question. I've been asking myself the question myself. Are we being packaged again and put in a box, put in a place? We've got a list for ourselves. Because a question that I'm going to be coming onto it as well is when we put ourselves into other people's categories, the categories that should include us all, we don't necessarily get a look in. So back to my question. Do these questions do these lists even the playing field and do they help or hinder our progress? What do you think? Gosh, this is a tricky one because I can I think I can see it from 
multiple perspectives. I guess on the one hand, it's a good thing, right? To have people from our communities who are doing incredible things in their various fields be recognized, be put on a, a platform that would reach, you know, many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who otherwise wouldn't even know that they exist. So there is that side of it. And I think it is a, a good thing. And I think it's something to be celebrated. At the same time, though, there is a part of me that wonders... I think I've got to be careful how I say this. I don't want anything to be misconstrued. I think there's a part of me that also wonders what it really takes for someone who looks like me, for someone who looks like you. What is the benchmark? I wonder if there's a different benchmark that we have to actually hit in order to be recognized on that sort of level. And by that, I mean, and let's be honest, there are people, uh, there are no names needed to be mentioned, but I'm sure we can all think of people who don't look like us, um, who are from different backgrounds, who, let's say at best, are mediocre, oh, yet will be championed, yet will be applauded, yet will be, um, you know, on, on, in every newspaper and magazine for doing the bare minimum. Um, and then I wonder, you know, when we... It's a difficult one. I think I'm conflicted and I think that's what you're hearing. So there's a part of me that thinks, gosh, we have to go above and beyond. And I think it goes back to that trope of working twice as hard to be considered, you know, half as good yeah. or, or as good. There is, so there is a part of that at play um, as well. And then I guess the other part is, do we need or why do we, do we need to wait for these sorts of platforms to recognize us? in order for us to show that appreciation and that, that I guess, you know, that, that give that recognition to people within our community who are doing great things. Do we have to wait for the likes of The Guardian to come along and, or The Telegraph or whoever it may be to come along and say, hey, these are some people who look like you who are doing great things. Come on, let's get behind them. Do we really need to wait for that? Um, or, or, or do we have, should we have our own platforms Things, uh, you know, so pe pedestals that we can put our own selves on, um, but, ways of communicating. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, isn't this part of the point, though, that we're already aware of our people, right? Um, Michaela Cole became known to everyone else, but a lot oh, yeah. of us were already aware of her, yeah. and she's a perfect example <laughs> for this. We understand that lists like this... Um, and Emmys, which we'll come on to and stuff like that, open doors. And so there is part of the kind of why should we... Because I'm exactly where you are. I'm conflicted. I yeah. absolutely am like, yes, list, great. Yeah. I want to be on there. But do I? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, kind I'm of, with you. what does this mean? Why does it mean what it means? And should I be subscribing to this? Am I missing something? What? What is it that this means and and what does it mean to people who aren't from my community when they see it are they like oh cute cute you know these lot yeah, just yeah. loving their own like what what is this does it help or hinder me um mm -hmm. and i think that's why the question is yeah. out there and i'm not sure we're going to come up with a definitive answer today it's literally a matter of perspective but i want to have these discussions in in the, in the open 
Is that Sorry, a sentence? <laughs> it's fine because I was messing up English. Um, so <laughs> I want to have these conversations out in the open because it's these are conversations we have behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want people to think that we're just like, yes, Liz, thank you. You know, because we're much more than the gratitude that we're asked to show so frequently. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and so this week, last week, don't know because I've been so busy, I'm exhausted, I don't know, my days are all rolling into one. I was doing some research for something entirely different. And the reason I'm looking over here, everybody, is because that's where my other screen is. Um, I was doing some research for something entirely creative, totally different. And I was looking up the best female actors of all time. Okay. The list was exhaustive. It went on for hundreds and hundreds of names. Oh, wow. Okay. And in the top 100, I think there were two or three people of colour. I say people of colour, not black people, because okay. I think one of them was partly black. So mm. the only person in that top 100 was, um, oh, my goodness, why can't I remember her name? Was married to Eric Benet. Hallie. Hallie Berry. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I was like, really? No um, Viola? No, there were so many people that are missing. And again, it's when we start to look at the metric for being valid or or for being worthy of these type of lists and what they really mean. So I don't think we're going to, like you say, um, I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of it. I said that, but you alluded to it. Um, I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of it, but it's what it means. And I think you made some really, really powerful points about the fact that actually you're conflicted and the why's you're conflicted. That, that, that stands out for me and it resonated so deeply. Um, I want to ask you this though, because it's, it's that's what triggered me to to move on to this. You said you said something again. I was listening. I promise, because <laughs> I'm looking at my question and so it's distracted my mind. I'm just going to put the question up. Emmy so White, should we be waiting for interest industries? that have historically dismissed us to recognise us. That really links back into what you were saying and you were going in that direction. So yeah, yeah. what do you think about this? I think absolutely not. What for? I don't know. And, and maybe as, I'm, as I've gotten, I don't know, maybe as I've, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, um, um, my perspective is changing. I don't think that we need to be waiting for anyone's permission to be great. I don't think we need to be waiting for anyone's permission or or for doors for people to open doors for us to go into their spaces. I don't think we need to be waiting for any of that. What I do think, and I, maybe this is because I'm a creative, I think that we should be creating things for ourselves. I don't think that we should be sitting down begging for people to respect us. I think that if we're going to do, be doing anything, we should be demanding it. Absolutely. And maybe that's a little bit too militant, but that is genuinely what I what I believe. I am not going to sit around in an environment or in a place where I don't feel that I am being valued. I will vote with my feet and I will get up and move. If I am dissatisfied, I don't have to stay in this one place. How long am I going to spend my time begging for scraps that are thrown at me or for the pity from other people when I could actually believe in my own self, take a leap of faith and go elsewhere and do something different, build my own table. Why do I have to be wait to be invited to a seat at someone else's table when I, I know that really and truly, you don't want me there. If historically, 
I have been, um, what's the word? I have been pushed, cast aside. I have been told I'm not allowed here. That's cool. Like, I want to have enough self-respect for myself to know that that's okay. I don't need to wait for you because I believe in myself and my own abilities and the people around me enough that we can go and we can do our own thing over here. And it's cool. It doesn't have to be in conflict. We're not in competition, but it is about us creating our own spaces so that I can maintain my sense of dignity. So for me, this one is an easier answer. Absolutely not. I don't think we should be waiting. What for? How long are we going to wait? How many years have we been waiting? And really, has the needle changed? Has the needle moved that much? And if the answer is no, then I don't know. I think at some point in time, we have to ask ourselves whether or not we are actually punishing ourselves. And I mean that with the deepest of respect. Um, I, I've always have believed and I've been taught, and I read it somewhere, that, you know, that if I don't like something, get up and move. You're not a tree. You don't have to stay exactly where you are. You don't have to. Um, here's what I think. I believe that. Sorry, I'm hearing my, my children shouting and screaming. I'm wondering what's going on. They're creating history. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I believe that if any man or any woman has achieved or accomplished something on this earth, then it is possible for me, for you to do it too. Why? Because the most intelligent, the most powerful person bleeds the same blood that I do. And so therefore, if, if I can, if, if someone can achieve some great heights in their space, what is stopping me but me from creating the same thing or something similar in principle in my own space? I think oftentimes it comes down to a lack of our self-belief. I don't know if we believe in ourselves enough. And I'm not talking about that airy-fairy belief where, yes, I can do anything. No, I'm talking about the type of belief that says I'm going to stop talking about it and I'm going to get up and I'm actually going to do it. That's the type of belief that I'm talking about right there. And I don't know if enough of us have enough of that belief to be able to go and make the moves that are required. But I say that and then I have to stop myself because there are people making moves. There are people who are doing incredible things, who are defying all odds and who are going out there and just going for it and making it happen. And so if they can do it, well, why can't I? Do we have to sit down and wait? No, I'm not sitting down and waiting for anyone. I'm giving my own self permission because I realize that I am the only thing standing in between me and the success that I desire. So I'm not waiting anymore. I'm going to be unapologetic with it. Get up, go for it. Whatever your it is, go for it. I'm so sorry. So I was listening and everything you said is, is very powerful. And I have a question. But my Alexa, I can say that because I've called it a different name, heard something you said and just started giving me facts on life. <laughs> so I had to, right towards the end of what you said, I was like, huh? So I had to just, <laughs> sorry. No, you, do you know what? You're absolutely right. And I, I hear everything you're saying. And we do need to have that self-belief and be able to do it for ourselves um, within our communities, by ourselves, in whichever way it is. But do you think that the trauma that we've experienced, and this is not using trauma as a crutch, this is not using this is not using trauma as an excuse, but more as a reason. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that collective trauma stops us from understanding, being so self-aware that we re we realize we can do it anyway? 
we realize we can do it despite and in spite of and we realize that we can do it that we should try even if it's going to be harder to get to that place like when we're thinking about what our success looks like most of the time we see the barriers because history has told us yeah. that it doesn't come easy mm. and that there will be barriers to this where there mm. aren't barriers for others um, so do you, how much do you think our trauma plays into the fact that we don't believe as much as we could? Well, I think I would be a fool to say it doesn't. I think it plays a massive, massive role. However, I believe still that we have more power than we give ourselves credit for. I think the first thing that we need to do is start to be intentional about changing our narrative. And by that, I mean, yes. No one can deny the history. Things happened to our people that were completely out of line, right? Things happened to our people that were traumatic, that were absolutely awful, that should never, ever had happen have happened, right? That is a fact. No one can take away from that. But I think the reality of the situation is that each and every one of us today has a choice about what we do with that. So, and I remember saying it on some other platform before, when it comes to things that may have happened to us, we can't be to blame for that. So if someone has hurt me, wounded me, that's not my fault. That's on them and that's their issue. But as an adult, it is my responsibility to get the healing that is required in order to progress. Otherwise, I'm gonna be stuck in this loop of reliving my trauma and I'm not going to progress. And at some point or another, I have to take responsibility and say, actually now this is on me. Yes, what happened to me was not my fault. I didn't ask for it. I didn't give this person permission to violate me in this manner. But at what point am I going to decide, okay, I accept that it was horrendous, but now I'm going to go and get my healing. Now I'm going to take the necessary action to ensure that I can move on from this, not to forget about the past, but even if it is a way of future-proofing, to ensure that the generations that come after me do not get stuck in this loop. I have a duty to break this cycle so that those that come after me have a fighting chance of seeing and experiencing something different. So yes, our collective trauma does play a part, but I just don't think the story can end there. No. I think the story has got to be that we make a conscious decision to ensure that the next, and here's, here's what I'm saying, Shay, and I, and I realize what I'm saying as well, so this is intentional. It might not happen in my lifetime. And you know what? I'm good with that. Do you know why? Because I've got, I've got two little people downstairs who are screaming, fighting, God knows what they're doing down there. But I have a duty to show them something different so that they can start on another level to me. My dad always told me that each generation must do better. And he was joking. Well, I think he was joking. He was saying to me, you know, Naomi, I've got my doctorate. <laughs> so that means you have to go and get two doctorates. Everyone's got to step it up. And of course, dad, you're absolutely insane. I am not going to get two doctorates. But the point of the, you know, and that's all tongue in cheek, but the point really is, 
that if my family sets the bar here, I should be seeking to bring it up another notch. And so for me, yes, there may well be collective trauma. But at this moment in time, I am not prepared to allow that to hinder the next generation. I have a duty, in fact, to ensure that my children and their peers and, you know, on that next generation coming up, that they see something different, that they are not trapped or they're not bound by the trauma, uh, but rather they can use the experiences of our generation to, as, as their pedestal, as their stepping stone to where they need to be. So if it doesn't happen in our generation, I'm good with that. That's cool. But I'm going to do my part in making sure that the next generation, and again, that goes back to legacy, right? Creating our, our black history. That's ensuring that the next generation can step it up another level. They can take it up another notch and they can do things that we only dreamed of doing. I know people often say that I am my ancestors' wildest dream, but I believe it's the next generation that's coming that's really our ancestors' wildest dream because I think they're going to be seeing something different. They are not going to be hearing only the old stories. They've got our stories as well. And so the levels that they're going to be able to reach, my goodness, I wish I would be alive for long enough to be able to see the craziness and the, the excellence and the outstanding things that they're going to be able to achieve. And, and let me just say this, even their mediocrity, because I don't want us to be romanticizing excellence. Why do we always have to be excellent? <laughs> Whole other podcast. Whole other podcast will come. Listen. Yeah. We don't always have to be excellent. I think sometimes, you know what? If I've had a bad day or if I'm tired, but I've just managed to achieve one thing, I'm going to celebrate that. Listen. And so this is why I'm saying, even in our next generation, even their mediocrity, I think, I think that they're going to be in a good position to do yeah. some incredible things. I really yeah. do. Potential is is uh, should be a no brainer for them. What what the potential of what they could be and um, could do should be a no brainer for them. They've got yeah. access to things that even back in our day we there was no internet in this way. So I'm not saying again it was not a problem because yesterday I was talking to my mum and my aunt and I'm talking about the fact that we felt closer to the miracles of God back then, right? We yeah. were like, yes, this can do, because there wasn't so many, there weren't so many things distracting us. But also on the flip side of that, there's so much opportunity now that Absolutely. just, you know, is amazing. So we we just touched on the fact that we've got this collective. And I, I what you said about the fact that there comes a point where we then take back the power and we choose what we do with this trauma. I say this to people all the time, forget it Forget it being about just our race or our, our um, black history. I say it just about life. We yeah. may have experienced trauma or we may have experienced something, yeah. but there comes a point where we have to go, okay, but now I want to, I don't want to live this anymore. I want to yeah. do something different. And so you take it back. But do you think in order for us collectively as a people <laughs> to move forward in, uh, there, there's the word I'm looking for, in unison, I don't know. Do you think that we have to collectively decide to heal or move forward? Because I think there were, again, there were different pockets of us and different members of us who believe this. But when it comes to, so if we look at what happened um, last year with George Floyd, or you know, if we look at what happened with the vaccination and with how divided we are, like, can we move forward? Um, 
at the same rate if we are not collectively in with if we don't have one voice like does our division hinder us um that's a really good question my initial reaction is to say i don't think it takes a collective no let me rephrase that it doesn't start with a collective it starts with one person. I think every great movement has begun with one person having an idea and then uh, sharing that with someone else and them sharing that with someone else and then it growing in that sort of way. I believe that's really how we gain momentum. And so I think if we are sitting back and we're waiting for a group of 100,000 or 100 million of us to, 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 um, you know, to just really catch this wave and to be on board, then I think we're going to be waiting in vain. I think we're going to be waiting for a long time for something that won't happen. But I don't think that's what it takes. I genuinely believe it takes one and that one telling another one. And I don't want to expose my, my poor math skills, but we know how this starts to then add up. And then before you know it, you have this collective, but it's a movement. It's people who are in motion, who are connecting with other people who then also become, who get into motion. And I think that's how it really happens. So I think that perhaps us hoping for or longing for or blaming the lack of this collective um, desire to move, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. I can't change, I don't think any one person can change the world all by themselves. But I don't think that that's what the ask is. I think it's just for me in my corner with my sphere of influence to, to get my act together and inspire someone else along the way. And I believe that we'll just have these pockets of people that will start to form this collective that we speak of. With that and with us mobilizing, whether it's just me and my household or me and my community, or me in, I don't know, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, you know, what you what you said in my sphere of influence. influence. Do you think that, and, and one of the other podcasts in this series spoke, I spoke to uh, um, a woman who is an ally, um, whatever that term really means, um, and do you think, how powerful, how much do you think I've started the question three times because I'm not sure how to phrase it. But do you think, how important do you think having people in power? Because there are people who are more powerful than us who can help us to progress this narrative. Mm. Um, so we can't discount them and we shouldn't no. necessarily discount them. It's how, it's the how, it's the how yeah. we in, engage them and how we, because, you know, we want to, we have to be intelligent enough, and I don't mean intelligent in the sense of being um, clever. I'm talking about knowing how to have conversations at different levels with different people um, and knowing how best to kind of engage people, right? I can't go at you in the same way I'm going to go at someone else, and it, that's about intelligence. Do you think there is something about those people who are in power who can help us to move this narrative forward, move our... Um, what our success looks like forward that we need to be paying attention to at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you as you were speaking, it made me remember something. So I thought, let me grab my phone so I can see if I can um, find this quote. 
Now, I don't know if this is correct, who it's been attributed to, but I'm reading that it's routinely or commonly attributed to Edmund Burke. Feel the free only to thing... send it through and I will put it up on the screen. Oh, okay. Let me see. Hold on. I mean, I could also just type it in. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm trying right now. For those listening and not watching, I know this is very exciting to you. <laughs> this moment where we're doing technology. Apologies, apologies. No, no. Listen, this is great. Oh, excellent. Yes. I know this one. And I've, I think I've heard it attributed to someone else. So I'm going to put it up right now. Here we go. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard it attributed to a number of different people. Um, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So sometimes you're going to have people who will be bystanders and they haven't done anything wrong necessarily. They haven't, um, you know, they haven't opposed the good works that are happening. They haven't gotten in the way, but equally they've just done nothing. And I think it can be that indifference that can allow the wickedness to, perpet to be perpetuated. I think it can be... So I guess, yeah, the answer, in short, is going to be yes. Um, absolutely. People who do have um, power... And this is something that I remember my dad always used to say to me again. Being the eldest, he would always say, oh, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, and I think that that, that is true that certain people do have positions. Um, and with that, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I think does come some responsibility. And uh, this is not to say that every person or every, uh, every black person it, it, with a position of power must be a spokesperson on, beho on behalf of all the black people in the world. Absolutely not. Um, but it is with those who do feel so convicted, those who do feel that they have the words uh, those who do feel that they do feel genuinely and passionately um, uh, about this sort of topic, I believe that they do have a responsibility to to use their voice, to to leverage their their power in order to amplify the voices of of those who need to be heard. Um, because I think, on a human level, more than anything, that it's important to do. Again, that quote: "The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men." to do nothing. And so I think for those of us who may not be doing anything, who may be doing nothing, maybe we need to take a closer look at ourselves and, and wonder and ask ourselves if my lack of action is contributing or not to the furtherance of our cause. And I guess, you know, with some introspection, we'll be able to answer that question. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Um, so my final question is asking you a statement. Um, and, and again, just to reiterate, we know that there are no definitive answers at the end of this because it's such a complex issue. Creating our black history is complex um, and it takes, it's, going, it's, it's nuanced and we're all different and we all have a different perspective on it. And I don't think any of us will be wrong or, or particularly right in our approach to it as long as we're doing it as long as we acknowledge it and we're working towards it. Um, so what would you say our success looks like? What, what kind of things, like, it, again, it doesn't have to be any one thing, but if somebody was watching this and they only watched this part of it, um, 
you know, what are some of the things that you can bring to their attention that are part of what our success actually looks like? Gosh, this is such a massive question. What comes to mind, actually, um, what comes to mind is, gosh, is it, is it a year ago? I'm, I'm so confused. You know, this pandemic lockdown time, like I genuinely have lost track of time. It, it has to have been last year with my book. Um, Success the Inside Job. For me, I think over the years, my idea about what success looks like has really changed. Oftentimes we can be tempted to look for the the, the, the trapping, the outward trappings of success. Um, you know, the the money, uh, the cards, uh, the jewelry, the houses, um, you know, that sort of the affluence that is so visible, and that's what we can often look to. But I genuinely think that success is more about the journey and is about the things and the obstacles that we've had to overcome. Because I believe that for most people who have achieved anything incredible, a lot of the times we, we see the end product, we see, we, we see when they're on the stage, when they're waving, when they're getting the applause, but we don't often see the times when they are flat on their face. We don't see when they are struggling. We don't see when they are hurting. We don't see when it seems absolutely impossible for them to be able to make it through. And so I think for us, what our success looks like, our success looks like those triumphs that may not seem like a massive deal to anyone else. But when I know, Shay, what you've had to overcome in order to be even in a position to be able to host this podcast today, this is what our success looks like. When I'm able to see people in my community who are achieving against the odds, who are doing the things that society told them they had no right to do or that they could not do, that is what our success looks like. When I see people who were down and out, get up to fight another day, even with tears streaming down their face. That is what our success looks like. You see, I think it's for far too long, we've allowed, again, other people to be responsible for our PR. We've allowed other people to determine what our great looks like. It's sort of like those times when we are, uh, let's say we are representing the UK, for example, and people who look like me, when we win, are British all the way, maybe even English at a stretch. But God forbid I make a mistake and I slip up or I don't perform as well as you wanted me to. I don't know, the, the Ghanaian, the Grenadian, the, uh, the British woman of, of African heritage. You know, there is that dissociation when I'm not performing at the level that you want me to be at. And so I think because of, with, with all of that in mind, and I think that can be like, that, that's, 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 that's a heavy load to carry. And that can be emotionally quite damaging, I think. And so therefore, I think you said it, let's take the power back. Let us define for ourselves what our success looks like. And so how can I say this? 
My success looks like whatever I'm going to give to you. And that means that some days I'm going to be on top form and I'm going to be on my A game and I'm going to be at my best. But you know what? Other days, I'm not going to be at my best. Other days, I'm going to be struggling. Other days, I'm going to be juggling all these other things in the background and still showing up. And you know what? In that moment when I am still able to show up, that is what my success looks like. And so you're right. I don't think there is one picture or one vision of what our success looks like. I think we have to give ourselves permission to say, do you know what? Our success looks like whatever we show up with and deliver up today. Anything that we have overcome, any time that we have been able to achieve against the odds, any time that we've had to um, push further, even when we felt tired and like, oh my God, I can't go any further. But we've taken that extra step, even if it is that one extra step, even if we're on our hands and on our knees and we're crawling, that is what our success looks like. I don't always have to live up to uh, whoever, who, their version of success. I don't, well, and everyone knows I'm no footballer. I don't have to put that ball in the back of the net in the Euros in order to be considered a success. The fact that I've even made it onto the squad and I'm part of that team, I, I almost swore there, my goodness. I am a success. That's what my success actually looks like. So yeah. it doesn't matter if I missed a goal, yeah? It doesn't yeah. matter because guess what? There were 90 minutes that were required for anyone else to be able to shoot a goal. But now all of a sudden, in the penalties, because I missed, oh, now I'm a failure. No, 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 no. Yeah. Absolutely not. It ain't happening. I'm sorry, I'm just not having it anymore. This type of thing is nonsense. And, mm-hmm. and, and so therefore... Let's take the power back, Shay. Like, let us decide for ourselves. And this is why we need to be able to make sure that we clap for our people when we see them out there achieving and pushing past barriers in this place. Because we know it's not easy. We know the hoops that we have to get through. We know the hurdles that we have to overcome. You know, I I spend a lot of my time working with uh, many black professionals in these huge corporate entities, um, some of the top um, companies in this country. And when I hear of the ways and the years that they have to prove themselves again and again and again to be considered worthy of even a promotion, oh my goodness, it breaks my heart every time. Our success looks like every day that we battle on. That's what it looks like. And I realized I could go on and on and on about this. So I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) But our success looks like absolutely whatever we say it does. Why? Because we bloody well said so. Sorry, Shay. I love it. I absolutely love it. And do you know what? It's what's really stood out for me in what you said, because I agree with every single thing. Um, and I, I've written articles along the same lines as well, because listen, it's, it's, let's not pretend that this isn't just a, you know, the Euros was one thing, but let's not pretend that this isn't a, a perpetual problem. But what I will say is that, and I will say it to you, the people, whoever is watching or listening to this, is that not only are we proud of our race and we're proud of our history and we're proud of the history that we are um, creating now, but our success looks like Naomi, not Naomi who was black. Our success looks like Shay, not Shay who was black. Our success looks like, you know, all of the people who are brilliant or some days mediocre because life is is tough, um, or who are in the background doing the work of whatever and 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 on you know the the people who during the pandemic became the the 
the heroes brought to the front, but are usually un the unsung heroes in the background. But they, none of those, although the press would have us believe that um, their race had everything to do with it, none of those people are successful or not successful in terms of what they bring to the table because of their race. Mm -hmm. They are doing it despite. And I know that sounds controversial, but what I mean by that is some of our history, some of the things we've been through absolutely make us who we are today. But they don't, they're not the only things that count when we look at Naomi and Shay and all of the other people. I am more than just my race. Um, our race is more than just monolithic. And I think that's really, really important when we think about what our success looks like, because I want to be on that list, that black list. I want to be on the other list too. And in fact, I also want to create my own list. That's right. I want to be, I want it all to be possible. And I want it to be possible for this generation and for the generations that will come. Because for the most part, it wasn't possible for the generations yeah. that went before. And when it was, they were either tokens or they had to work too hard to get there. Yeah. I want to take away that, that the working hard because of my race and not because this job did, did requires hard work, mm -hmm. right? And so in creating our black history, um, and also in looking at what our success looks like. I just want to thank you for everything that you do, Naomi, and that you continue to do. And also just for being on this podcast and contributing to our future success and the success of our people. So thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say to the people? Gosh. I guess it's just some encouragement that, if you have a vision for what your life needs to look like, if you have a dream, if you have something that you desperately want to do, but you think that the color of your skin may be a barrier, hey, I'm not here to deny that it won't be, um, or should I say to deny that it will be even. Um, <laughs> but what I would say is to just get up and take one step after another and move in the direction of your dreams. Because I believe that, the longer we sit down and just think about it and think about it, whether or not it's possible and, and we ponder and we wonder, then we are definitely writing ourselves off, right? We can't do it. Who was it that said that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take? So get out, get up, get out there and shoot your shot. Go for it because you are brilliant, not because of the color of your skin, that's just one of the attributes of who, what makes you who you are. I mean, because we are brilliant as black people, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deny. <laughs> we have intrinsic value. And so therefore, um, you know, part of our story is exactly that. It's just part of it. It's not the entire story. It's not the end of our story. In fact, the story only ends when we decide that we give up. So keep going. Keep writing your story, keep telling your story, keep sharing your story, because you just never know one day who you may inspire to believe again. Thank you so much. So, Naomi Empowers, where can the people find you? And make sure you tell them about Success the Inside Job and where they can get that, because it's brilliant and you are brilliant. So, yes. Oh, thanks, Shay. Um, so, goodness. Um, where can you find me? So, if you head over to good old Amazon... I believe that's where you can find the book, Success, The Inside Job. If you just put that into the search bar, all Naomi empowers, then it certainly should come up. 
in terms of where you can find me, um, Shay, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I made a decision that I was done with the UK and- um, Girl, I you can say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> this is our platform. <laughs> Yeah, so where can you find me? You can find me in the land of gold, um, Ghana in West Africa. That's actually where I am. Myself and my children are here. We're living life and we are absolutely loving it. And so most of the stuff that I'm doing online has been shifted over to that platform. So really you can find me at To The Motherland on Instagram, To The Motherland on YouTube. That's really where my focus is right now. Um, and part of the reason why I'm doing this is to be able to change the narrative. I'm trying to demonstrate to other people that a life in Africa is viable. It's a viable option and that it's not just poor, starving children with flies in their eyes like we see on those Oxfam adverts back in the day, um, but that there are people out here doing incredible things and that we can choose to leave behind a place that may not be as interested in us and come and bring our resources, our energy and our talent and build up our own homeland. So um, yeah, that's where, that's where I am and that's where most of my attention is going to be for the foreseeable future. Definitely. Guys, she hasn't even been there six months. I don't even think you've been there three have you? I came in August, August to September to October. Good grief, yeah. Yeah, so um, definitely go and watch her channel. It's very, very interesting and I'm more than interesting. And you're, it's probably not your intent, but it's funny. Um, definitely, <laughs> go, <laughs> definitely go. If you want to find out about um, the stolen cooker, definitely go and watch the channel. It's it's brilliant. Um, and just your journey is amazing. So. Thank you for taking the time out. You know, you've got so much on. You have moved all the way across the world. And um, that's dramatic. But you've moved all the way across the world. You've got your two children. Both you and your little girl have been sick this week. You also are working full time at the same time. Slight time difference. Like, there's so much going on. Um, yeah. And that's, for, that's on, on, you know, for real, for real. So thank you so much for taking the time out. Oh, no problem, Shay. Anything for you. If Shay asks me to come and do something, it doesn't matter. I'll drop everything and I'll make sure it happens. <laughs> Recorded. And um, I will be showing you this again in six months when Curate the Genius is live. So <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you. And um, see you on the next one. Butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly. When I see you flap your wing. Nino, when it's time for spring, butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly.